Welcome to Integrative Medicine Solutions with Forum Health, the podcast. Our nationwide network of integrative and functional medicine providers believe in a new standard of healthcare, one that creates optimal health by focusing on partnering with you, understanding your needs, learning about your unique health history, and getting to the root cause of your concerns. Using advanced testing, emerging therapies, and the latest technology, Forum Health providers are at the forefront of integrative and functional health care for all. Your journey to better health starts here. Hi, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for a very special masterclass on Is Your Environment Making You Sick? My name is Britt with Forum Health the first nationwide network of integrative and functional medicine providers, of which Dr. Taylor and Texas Integrative Medicine is a part of. For those of you not familiar, Forum Health goes beyond traditional healthcare by combining functional and integrative medicine with advanced treatments and technology, data analytics, and collaborative relationships to offer our patients personalized and transformative results. Our patients have access to breakthrough treatments, results-driven wellness programs, health content, and a team of experts to partner with you on your journey to a healthy and vibrant life. To learn more, please visit us at forumhealth.com. Okay, so let's get started. Our speaker tonight is board-certified physician, Dr. Wally Taylor of Texas Integrative Medicine in Austin, Texas. Dr. Taylor has over 40 years of medical experience with two decades in the Army Medical Corps, retiring as a Lieutenant Colonel. He earned his Doctor of Medicine from the University of Texas Southwestern Medical School and completed a residency at Madigan Army Medical Center. He's also recognized by the American Board of Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine. Dr. Taylor's passion is helping children and adults unlock their body's natural capacity for healing and optimal wellness through an integrated approach of combining traditional with functional and holistic care. He believes that most chronic illness is the result of a patient's genetic makeup and exposure to harmful environmental stresses during a person's life. Welcome, Dr. Taylor. Thank you so much for, for speaking with us tonight. Well, sure, Brittany. Thank you for hosting it. Absolutely. We have a lot to cover in a very short amount of time. Um, so I first wanted to start with environmental toxins. I think most of our audience have heard of toxins and might be familiar with a few, um, but can you break down for us, what are environmental toxins and what are some common toxins we encounter every day? Absolutely. So my, the first half of my career, I was a traditionally trained ear, nose and throat surgeon. And I started seeing patients with a wide variety of really kind of bizarre, complex symptoms. And in those days, which was when I was living in an agricultural community in Colorado, mm -hmm. the primary toxins I was seeing making my patients be persistently ill were ones that were coming from agricultural chemicals, fertilizers, pesticides, uh, fungicides, things such as that. Mm -hmm. A lot of them were in the water that my patients were drinking because mm -hmm. they lived on the farms and the, and the toxins that they used on the plants would get into their well water. Mm, right. And so I kind of cut my teeth on chemical toxins. And that's certainly one big group. But the other toxins that I see on a regular basis in my practice now in Austin 
would be uh, ones from biologicals such as viruses and yeast and molds and bacteria, uh, even parasites. Uh, we see a lot of other chemicals besides just agricultural chemicals, solvents from building materials, uh, paints and coatings, uh, even uh, food chemicals that are man-made. We see a lot of toxins that are different metal toxins, such as aluminum, mercury, lead, cadmium, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, and we see currently more and more problems related to physical toxins, especially Wi-Fi, 5G, electromagnetic, even sitting here in front of a laptop computer, you know, there's, there's potentially toxic emissions that are bathing our cells and tissues. So right. I would say these are the big ones. I always tell my patients that our route of exposure to these various toxins is in the air we breathe, in the water that we drink, in the food that we eat, and what we might put on our skin, either right. by way of cosmetics and hair treatments, even the way we launder our clothes and clean our homes. Mm, that makes sense. Are we ever really able to get away from toxins? It sounds like we're kind of surrounded in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and it's, it's kind of scary in a way, but I really believe that our world is becoming progressively more toxic by the day. And I think that goes a long way to explain why we're seeing an epidemic of many of the diseases and conditions associated with exposure to these toxins. We're basically seeing an epidemic of epidemics. Yes, if, you, right. if you look at things like autism, autoimmune disease, chronic mm. fatigue syndrome, and, and we'll get into a little bit more of it in a minute, but the list just goes on and on. And, you know, when I went to medical school back in the dark ages, uh, we were seeing one in 10,000 children with autism. And mm. I think the number's up to about one in 60 now. Oh, yeah. Uh, more common in boys than girls. But, right. you know, that's just unbelievable. And it's not just a matter of increased awareness. Um, yeah. I just, I just I don't care what you say. It, 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 there's more exposure now. Yeah, there, there, there seems more plastics in our environment, like you said, more pesticides. And I think maybe some of our viewers aren't even aware that Wi-Fi is now seen as a toxin. Of course, we're all exposed to that all the time, every day. Um, so, you know, we have all these toxins in our environment, our food, our water, our air, like you said. What are they doing to our mind and our body? Sure. Well, I think the first thing to say is that really what they do can be tracked back to what they're doing to our individual cells of our body. Mm -hmm. But all of these toxins basically uh, at the end of the day end up generating a lot of these toxic molecules that we call free radicals. And as a result of excess amounts of free radicals and an inadequate supply of what would neutralize those free radicals, which are what we call antioxidants, we get into a lot of problems with what we call oxidative stress. And one of the big things that does is it triggers a lot of inflammation. It triggers our immune system. And then our immune system generates mediators of inflammation that actually causes us injury. I always tell my patients that a lot of what they're dealing with is immune self-injury, like friendly fire in a war. Right. But I, I don't think we want to just turn the immune system off. That's really the wrong approach. It leaves us undefended against the toxins, especially the biological ones. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's pretty scary when you think about it, you know, for, for some of our listeners, I know they may be struggling with brain fog, um, chronic pain. 
what are some other conditions that we see from these toxins in our environment? Sure, uh, it, it, it involves all the systems of the body right. because again, it affects every cell. Right. But uh, probably at the top of the list of what I see, Brittany, is chronic fatigue and mm. kind of along with that, what we call exertional intolerance or intolerance to exercise and exertion. And a lot of that actually revolves around problems with the way our mitochondria are working and they're responsible for 99% of our energy for our right. cellular work. So that's the big one, chronic fatigue and exercise intolerance. We see a lot of brain fog, which is a whole host of uh, brain terms such as loss of memory, confusion, difficulty problem solving, mm, word right. finding problems, a lot of things that come from that. We see a lot of psychiatric or mood symptoms mm, as well. Right. Interesting. We see anxiety, even panic attack, mm, right. depression, uh, increased suicidality. Um, and insomnia would be some of the big psych things. I always tell my patients that the psych symptoms that they're having is not a separate disease. It's just part of the same thing. Right. It's just coming out as symptoms of mood instead of symptoms of body pain, headache, neck pain, joint pain, muscle pain, which right. pain is another big thing that we see in these patients um, involving pretty much the whole body. We right. see a lot of uh, other inflammatory symptoms. So just about any autoimmunity mm. that you can think about is, is related to the environmental toxins. We see a lot of digestive symptoms, what some people might call irritable bowel syndrome, but right. it tends to be bloating, uh, abdominal pain, especially after eating, it tends to be constipation, uh, mm. diarrhea, yeah. uh, those kind of GI symptoms. We see uh, lots of hormone related symptoms in this group of patients whether it be ovarian issues, infertility, uh, problems with the periods. We see a lot of infertility, even in men, adrenal problems, mm -hmm. thyroid problems, pituitary problems. So the whole gamut of endocrine disorders that we see. Right. Uh, we, see um, we see a lot of skin problems in this group mm -hmm. of patients, uh, rashes, and uh, again, an inflammation-based symptoms primarily. Right. right. You know, that's, that's a long laundry list, and I'm sure you could go on even more. Um, do all of those things fall under environmental illness? Can for me, they do. Okay, for, the, for you, they for, do. For me, so they do. You know, a lot of the things that I see yeah. have been given other labels by other right. clinicians, practitioners. Right. Uh, for example, some of your name, name syndromes, let's just take degenerative brain diseases, whether it be Alzheimer's or mm. Parkinson's or multiple sclerosis or ALS Lou Gehrig's. Right. Um, in the gut, we might be talking about regional enteritis or celiac disease or Crohn's mm. disease. Um, in the skin, uh, there, there's any, you know, eczema, psoriasis. Um, within the endocrinopathies, you might be talking about Hashimoto's thyroiditis right. or uh, right. adrenal fatigue or uh, Addison's disease, which is another mm -hmm. named adrenal disease. These are basically all manifestations of environmental toxins. In other words, that is the underlying root cause, right? Even and though it may carry another name and carry another name. And that's really what your practice is about. You get to the root cause of disease to help exactly. heal. So what exactly. would you say is environmental illness? And, and, you know, I know we talked about some of the symptoms, but just to make it really clear for our, our audience, what do you, what, how would you define that? 
Yes, I would say it's, it's a combination of persistent uh, body-wide symptoms and signs that are coming as a result of the toxic effects of a wide variety of environmental toxins that we just kind of went through. Sure. The other thing I would want to stress, though, is that in my experience, stress, which I even, I don't call it stress, I like to call it toxic life experiences. <laughs> right. We talk about toxins yeah, and we talk right. about toxic life experiences, but they are just as capable as the actual mm -hmm. poisons, whether it be a germ poison or a chemical poison, uh, a stress poison can right. cause the symptoms and signs almost identical. And in some cases, even more readily than the toxins themselves. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of our listeners tonight have a lot of these symptoms, probably more than one. How do they know it's environmental illness and not something else? Well, for me, a lot of it just comes off of the history. About right. 80 to 90% of the information that I use to come up with protocols and treatment plans really has to do with what the patients tell me from the sure. history, sure. exposures, when symptoms started, what made symptoms worse and so forth. Now, there are a lot of other tests and things that, that we often can do um, sort of for confirmation or sometimes to establish baselines. Yeah, right. But uh, I, I would say history is the big thing. And, and then from there, it's a matter of trying to identify what are the toxins, what are the root causes, because we really need to focus on two things. One, we need to focus on avoidance of future exposure. Mm. And the second thing we need to focus on is how do we get the toxins out of the body? Right. And of course, that, that depends on the organs of detoxification, which we focus on a lot. But in the case of germs, we're typically also focusing on the health of the immune system. And in some cases, even different agents that we might use to help kill back some of the biological toxins. That makes sense. Now, you know, are some people um, more exposed to toxins if they live in a city, say, uh, as opposed to maybe the country or the suburbs? Is there a difference there that you see? Are there more toxins in a city and less further out? You know, I think that's probably true as a rule yeah. um, because, you know, there tends to be a lot more industry uh, around cities oftentimes. Right. Oftentimes the water supplies may be a little more problematic. Uh, you know, they had a whole bunch of problems with lead up in Flint, Michigan right. a few yeah. years ago. Uh, there tends to be a lot more electromagnetic radiation in cities, right. more, more cell towers and microwave towers and so forth. So I think that's basically true. Right. You know, the worst toxin in my practice, I'll just throw in, is indoor mold toxins typically associated with water intrusion. So a leaky mm -hmm. pipe or a leaky roof, some prior episode of water damage that causes right. the growth of certain species of indoor molds. That's, mm -hmm. in my practice, the, the most severe and the most common almost that we see. Right. Now, there's plenty of other toxins, but that's one that I typically focus in early on. Right. Because if we can deal with that one, a lot of times our patients get a lot better. Right. And a lot of times you don't even know if a pipe's leaking until it's too late. And, and the, you know, you've already suffered the effects of mold exposure, which exactly. is really quite scary. Exactly. Um, you know, you touched upon Wi-Fi and our electronics. And of course, we're becoming an increasingly technological world. How does something like Wi-Fi or using our computer, our cell phones, or even earbuds, how does that affect our cells and, and, and harm us 
by using sure. this? Well, they have done a lot of studies on, on uh, lab animals and even humans going all the way back to the 60s and 70s. Some of the earliest people to be affected by this were some of the early telephone operators. Remember those ladies that would have to plug the, right. the wires in? Yeah, also, right. there was a lot of really serious injury to early radar operators mm. back even around World War II. Um, so we've known for a long, long time. But basically what they've learned is that certain frequencies, certain parts of the electromagnetic spectrum, and I'm not talking about the uh, ionizing radiation like gamma, wa gamma waves and x-rays. Right. Right. We're just talking about, um, you know, certain uh, higher, higher uh, energy waves right. that they actually can cause uh, damage at the cellular level that results in a lot of these toxic free radicals that I was talking about. Right, the other thing okay. we know that they can do is they can abnormally affect some, some parts of our cells that are voltage dependent. So like we have these little channels called um, voltage gated calcium channels in our cells, and they're very dependent on voltage for proper function. Wow. And so those can sometimes right. be thrown off as well. Right. But uh, yeah, it definitely causes damage at the cellular level. Uh, and uh, many of my patients actually will report symptoms on exposure to certain certain forms of electromagnetic radiation. That's now, really most of them wow. don't. I would say that's the that's the minority, but, uh, but but many of them do. That's very interesting. I don't think something that most of us are aware of because, of course, we're dependent on technology now. We're so tied to our phones and and our computers. Um, and we probably don't even realize the effects it's having on our physical and mental health. Um, exactly. So, you know, knowing all of this, it's a little scary. <laughs> it's a little scary knowing that we're in a world surrounded with environmental toxins. Um, so why does, in your opinion, environmental illness really require a holistic, integrative medicine approach that you practice at Texas Integrative Medicine? Sure. Well, it really goes back to exactly why I left traditional ENT treatment and medicine, because when I was seeing all these patients early on that had the agricultural chemical exposure, I had been given a whole bunch of tools in, in traditional medicine and in my training. And it turned out that those tools really weren't doing the trick for these patients. They would help. I mean, I called it like Band-Aid medicine. Yeah, so right. we, would we would prescribe a drug, maybe a steroid, maybe an antibiotic, maybe an antihistamine. And yeah, people would get better. Sometimes we'd even recommend surgery if, mm. you know, with sinus problems and so forth. Yeah. And people would get better, but they didn't get well. Mm. And it wasn't until I started to ask myself, why are these people manifesting such unusual persistent symptoms? What's going right. on here? Right. And then I began to actually look at their environmental exposures and once I just began to like an aha moment that, uh, and I remember I had uh, this one worker, he was a, he was a agricultural worker and had been in chemical fields all of his life. Mm. He came in and told me every time he walked in the local big box store, he would pass out. He would just oh, fall out. And, uh, you know, it turned out he was, he was a cesspool of chemicals. Mm. And then now the uh, electromagnetic radiation and the other fumes in the box store 
were literally taking him beyond his ability to compensate. And right. he would actually literally get sinkable episodes or wow. fainting spells. And, and that was kind wow. of one of the ones where a big, big light bulb went on, you know, in my head. And then we started focusing on exposures and how do you get people to detox? Uh, right. One of the other things that, that we may talk about in a minute is how do we actually change a person's system so right. that they are more resistant to the effects of these toxins? Yes. And that's another yes. big way that we can help people. Yes. Yeah. I'm very curious about that and also how you can detox. Can you ever fully detox? And how long do these toxins stay in your system? Is it a lifetime until you actually flush them out and detox? You know, a lot of these uh, toxins do have very long half-lives, mm. so they're very stable. Right. And the body tends to store them or sequester them in out-of-the-way places like fat cells and bone cells. Ah, right. Fortunately, they also tend to sequester them in brain cells, <sighs> which Jeez. is a little bit counterproductive. Right. But uh, yeah, until we actually avoid exposure and then rev up pathways of detoxification, uh, we don't make a lot of headway, but I always tell people it's like a, a sink that's overflowing. If you were trying to get rid of that, you would want to do two things. First of all, you would want to turn off the water coming into the sink. So that's right. exposure. And then you wouldn't want to open the drain up to the sink to make sure that it could quickly drain out. Yes. If you did, if you did those two things, you know, you'd take care of the problem. Uh, the body with environmental toxins is, is virtually the same. That's, that's such a good visual. That really helps to understand how, how toxins work in the body. Um, so, you know, at your practice, how do you evaluate and treat environmental illness? Are there specific tests that you use to diagnose? Sure. Well, beyond the history, which we've already pretty well covered that, yeah. there's one group of tests, and whether they're urine tests or blood tests or stool tests, there's, there's tests that we can order that will actually look at the potential toxins. For example, we can do a urine test to measure for mold toxins, mm. or we can do a stool test to measure for certain pathogens, even parasites. Right. Right. So we can look for toxins, and we, we often do. Um, a lot of times we will look at measures or indicators of the nutritional status of the body. Because that okay. has so much to do with our ability to resist the effect of toxins. Yes. You know, we, we might check a vitamin D level or we might check a magnesium level or a copper level. So there's there's nutritional markers that we will sometimes check. Okay. There's a lot of markers that tell us about how the metabolism is working. How are the mitochondria working? How are we able to burn fats and carbohydrates? You know, how can we make some of our detox nutrients like glutathione. So there's a lot of tests we can do in that realm. Okay. Sometimes we test hormones right. uh, and, and that's in a more traditional way. Uh, again, we can either do blood testing or saliva testing or urine testing or typically the ways that we do that. That makes sense. Now, you know, when you, you start treating someone for environmental illness, um, how long on average, of course, I know every person's different, but how long on average does it take a person to really flush those toxins out of their system and start to feel like themselves again? It is really variable, but I have seen cases yeah. where it was very quick. I remember a young lady that had developed some pretty significant symptoms. It turned out that somehow she had gotten a bag of potatoes in the upper you know, cabinet of her kitchen pantry right. and it had gotten water in it and 
these potatoes had basically turned into mold. Mm. And uh, she was deathly ill with a lot of these symptoms that we just talked about. Finally, her husband found the potatoes and got rid of it. And with some of the other things we were doing, she came back in in a couple of weeks and said, I think I'm as well as I've ever been. Wow. So, I mean, I, I jump up and down with a case like that. That's yeah, kind of an of exception. Course. But, you know, <laughs> we've had patients, college student moves into a, a multi dorm. And they might say, oh, yeah, it's a little musty. I noticed it right away. And my throat kind of itched and irritated and my nose got stuffed up. And then all of a sudden, here comes the fatigue, Here comes the brain fog, here comes the irritable bowel syndrome, here comes the abnormal periods. So you get a patient like that out of that environment, uh, get them to to change to a different dorm building that's not old and musty. And sometimes within three or four weeks, they can be dramatically better. Right. It kind of just depends. But if you have a person that say was an agricultural worker for 20 years, uh, you're, you're probably up against a little bit longer of a, a a that makes sense. You know, and I feel like it's not just enough to eat organic or to, um, you know, of course not live in an environment where there's mold. What can people do to protect themselves on just a daily basis? Um, cause I feel like there's, even toxins with new furniture, uh, with a new mattress that you may get, uh, if you're moving into a new home, what can people do? Because it's very overwhelming information to know that there's so many around us. Sure. What are just some basic steps? There are a lot of quick wins. Let's talk about a few quick wins. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, for one thing, you can use good air purification. Okay. Now you you can, you can go out and get an expensive, inexpensive $70 HEPA, H-E-P-A, high, right. high efficiency particulate arrestor filter, or you can spend seven or $800 on, you know, a really, really fabulous machine that will remove every single thing out of the air, including things like formaldehyde and solvent fumes and so forth. But, you know, filters are great. Mm-hmm. I always tell my patients, if you are only breathing air gases like oxygen and nitrogen and hydrogen and argon, you're right. not going to have a lot of these problems. It's only if you're breathing some chemicals or some particulates like right. fragments of bacteria or mold spores that you're going to have problems. Right. So that's a quick win. Al- okay. Along those same lines, you can rinse your nose out with clean salt water. Mm, uh, right. Use, dis- yeah. use distilled water mix a little sea salt with it so that the salt is about the same strength as the salt in your bloodstream. Okay. And do that once or twice a day, okay. particularly immediately after any known exposures, right, you know, right. you, you sweep out your garage, you go get something out of your attic right away. You, you rinse your nose out. Right. And I tell people, it's like giving your nose a bath on the inside. Yeah. Cause a lot of times the toxins will stick to your nasal linings. So if you do that regularly, you don't swallow them. They don't get absorbed into your bloodstream and you can, you can minimize the effects of them. Cause I think so a, another- a lot of us do the nasal cleansing when we're sick or we have allergies or we feel maybe an illness coming on, but I don't think many of us think to do it every day, like a bath. Yeah. I, there's so many yeah. of my patients that just, that's been that one of the big answers for them wow. okay. and it's, and it's inexpensive and it's pretty right. simple. Right. Um, you know, I tell people drink a lot of good, clean water. And, and when they ask me uh, what's the best water, uh, the, the ideal would be uh, artesian water in, in bottles as opposed mm. to plastic bottles, right. uh, because plastic does introduce a certain amount of chemicals, BPAs mm-hmm. and so forth. Right. Um, artesian water is basically filtered by the earth, and yet it still has some healthy minerals in it. Um, 
there there are good water filters you know some the breda is actually not one of the best i don't want to really interesting get myself, get myself okay. in the doghouse we won't, won't tell breda okay yeah but you know usually some of the better uh water system filter filters there's a company down here in houston texas called mcdonald it's a family-owned okay. company they do some real good work um reverse osmosis as a rule is good mm, okay. uh, usually uh city tap water is about some of the worst that you can drink mm, uh, right. certain wells can be really really bad too as was in right. the case when i was dealing with the people that lived on the farm in colorado right um so and then eating good clean food and and i say as organic as you can afford uh, get away from food that has multiple ingredients listed on the package because right. many of those are toxic. Um, by the way, one of the worst toxins in our food is glyphosate, which I'm mm. sure most of our viewers have, have heard about. Uh, but not only is it used in corn and wheat uh, to kill weeds, but it, it also has more lately been used as a drying agent. Mm. Um, and that was when Monsanto was alleging that it was perfectly safe, which right. now, now we know that it's, uh, it's, it's actually a carcinogen can cause right. cancer. Right. So that's a bad one. So drinking good, clean water and lots of it, eating good, clean food mm -hmm. and nutrient, nutrient rich food. Mm -hmm. I always tell right. my patients that the, our cells need a wide variety of, uh, calories and nutrients, mm -hmm. the, the vitamins, the minerals, and as much of that as we can get through our diet, the better. But uh, unfortunately, in today's world, we usually have to talk about some supplemental nutrients as well. Yes, that makes sense. I mean, it's everything we know that we should be doing. We just need to actually do it. Um, but I think the HEPA filter and, uh, and clean water are really, really great wins, easy wins that most of us can do. And like you said, aren't that cost effective? To at least help protect ourselves and our families. Um, so on the on the EMF, just a couple of quick wins. Yeah, there. yeah, I was going to talk to you, you about can, asking. You can that. turn off the Wi-Fi when it's yes, not in use. Right. Uh, there's a lot of people will go to the source of where the Wi-Fi is plugged in. The only problem there is that you typically have to reboot it the next time you plug it back in. But right. that's a minor inconvenience in most cases. The other thing is just try to distance yourself from any kind of uh, Wi-Fi emitting, de emitting device. I mean, mm. you don't want your cell phone uh, right next to you while you're sleeping, especially right. if it's turned on and, and not on airplane mode. Sure. But uh, distance is our friend when it comes to the effects of electromagnetic radiation. That makes um, sense. You can also, uh, you know, be aware of appliances that give off a lot of electromagnetic and, and try to downpower those. Uh, there actually are a lot of meters that you can rent or you can mm. find somebody that has them and you can actually measure for the levels of various toxic electromagnetic radiation in the home and in the workplace. Very and interesting. then that, that brings up opportunities on avoidance and elimination. Absolutely. You know, um, I think it's a great tip just to turn off your Wi-Fi. It's a great tip for many reasons because I think we all benefit from disconnecting. Um, but by turning off the Wi-Fi at night, what does it allow or does it allow our body to rest? Can you talk a little bit about that? What effects does it have by shutting sure. off? Well, that's exactly what happens yeah. when we sleep, which is has been shown to be the most dangerous time to be exposed to Wi-Fi. Mm. Uh, that's when the body normally uses that sleep window as a time of rejuvenation, cellular, cellular rebooting and right. healing and kind of clearing the decks, 
for the following day. So if right. at the same time you're bombarding it with these toxic physical waves and generating these toxic free radicals, you just don't allow that to happen. Right. And not only do you not get restful sleep, but you don't recover your cellular injury uh, in the way that you should. Interesting. It's such a hidden danger, a silent, invisible danger that we, you know, we just don't think about um, in our modern world today, uh, which is really interesting. I think um, it's one of the more common causes of yeah. insomnia, especially what we call early awakening. Right. Like, you know, people that might wake up at 2 or 3 a.m. and have difficulty falling back asleep. Right. Often that's associated yeah. with uh, uh, toxic EMF exposure. Interesting. And it doesn't have to just be in the in the home or the office. It can be coming in from outside. Right. You know, there's nearby cell towers and uh, radio towers and right. um, Wi-Fi towers, that sort of thing as well. You, it doesn't you know, respect walls. It doesn't, it does not respect walls. No. That's a good way of describing it. You know, I was just going to ask you about cell phone towers. What if you're someone that lives near a cell phone, cell phone tower or one of these um, 5G towers? You mean like what me? Is, <laughs> I'm like me too. I they just put one across, up across the street from me. Yeah. Um, what can you, what can you do? Is there anything you can do other than, well, other than move? <laughs> they, they do make things to screen. Okay. So even though I said it doesn't, ref it doesn't respect walls, I mean, right. you can put coatings up. Okay. And you can put uh, coatings up that, that will not allow the electromagnetic waves to, to transmit. Oh, you can even use, even use curtains. In fact, one thing that some people use uh, is a device over the bed that looks kind of like a mosquito net, and it's called a Faraday cage. Mm, it's made okay. of a special fabric that contains metals such as silver and copper, and then it has to be grounded to the earth, but mm. it will basically uh, per permit or prevent a lot of these toxic waves from getting to the body. Interesting. Wow, yeah, they're a, a little pricey, but we've had some yeah. patients that that it was part of the answer for them. Absolutely, especially if it's in your backyard and you have no other answers, and you're and you're really sick. You have I've, a lot of these I've mystery illnesses. I've had any number of patients yeah. that uh, one, a, a, friend, a friend of mine actually, and she became devastated uh, sort of suddenly. And um, it turned out that they had just turned on a Wi-Fi tower in close mm. proximity. And it wasn't until the leaves fell off that they even saw the tower because it was kind of behind a tree from where they lived. Right. Right. And they ended up having to move, you know, to wow. uh, to get distance from from that. And um, there's there are places around the country where they have sort of havens where there's yes. no EMFs and there's yes. no mold and there's no chemicals. And these are uh, oases that right. some people have set up to try to provide uh, a place for people with really, really serious environmental illness to go to try to recover I've yes. often dreamed about having a facility like that, you know, at my disposal. Oh, that'd be wonderful. I think we would all join everyone, <laughs> everyone on this call tonight. We would all join. I know there is one in West Virginia, I believe that I've there's heard a of. place in West Virginia. That's yes. uh, it's called the radio dead zone or the radio free yeah. zone. It's, it's actually government sponsored and it's so that they can do some tests where there's no radio waves. Uh, there's no cell towers. There's no right. cell service. Uh, a lot of people actually move there. Yes, I've uh, heard people that. People that before. are really, really ill. I've known several right. that have lived there at least for a right. time. 
until they've managed to recover to the point to where they could return to society. Right. And they've built that up that resilience with your immune system. Right. Very, exactly. very interesting. It's a lot of information to take in. Um, it's it's a, a lot, but I, I love the wins and I love the work that you're doing in Texas integrative medicine. I, and I know you've helped countless patients heal um, from environmental illness. So well, I think the key is, is, you know, I see people that, that have not been able to recover despite yeah, a lot right. of other attempts. And, and we can look at those people and say, look, in our experience, if we do the right things and if we work together, you know, yes. you're going to progressively recover. And yes. many of, we've seen many of our patients basically return to their, to their pre-ill state. So it's certainly... I like to tell people, let's have some hope because in my experience, there's, there's every reason to have hope. Absolutely. And I think that's what you provide. I mean, so many people come to you that have no idea what's going on with their body and their mind, and you're really able to offer hope. They may have gone to other doctors who weren't able to diagnose them correctly. They come to you and actually can regain their life back again, which is incredible. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for sharing this. I feel like I could talk to you for hours just about this one topic. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, there's a lot to it. There really is a lot to it. Requires a lot of individualization. People always want to know exactly what I'm going to do for them. And I always have to just tell them it just depends. There's so many moving parts here that we have to, uh, we have to do what you need, you know, not just what the average person would need. I mean, I have my favorite tools in the toolbox, Uh, But we always have to individualize it for people. Absolutely. And if anything, it makes you so aware of what you're putting into your body, what you're exposing yourself to every day, the water you're drinking, what's around you. So that in itself, that awareness, I think is so helpful for so many people. Hope so. So Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of this. This is wonderful. Um, I would love to open up uh, this portion of the class to any questions from our audience. I'm sure people have a lot of questions. We've talked about a lot of different topics tonight. Um, So if you have a question for Dr. Taylor, all you have to do is send us a message using the Q&A function. It's right at the bottom of your Zoom dashboard. Do that now. We'll we'll take about 10 to 15 minutes to answer some questions. I know there's probably some burning ones out there because it is a little scary to hear about (laughs) these toxins at once. Um, Okay, we have one that just came in. What would you say is one of the worst toxins in our environment? Now, I know you talked about glyphosate. What are some others, like your top five that are probably the worst, that wreak the most havoc? Yeah, there's no question, I think, that the toxins that are given off by certain species of indoor mold is number one. So some people talk about black mold. It often is black mold, but it's not limited to just black mold. Um, But it's a group of about 30 toxins. We can measure for about 11 of them uh, in one of the urine tests that we run. But that's virtually always near the top of my list, asking about exposure, asking about symptoms that might have started on say changing a home environment or getting a car that might have been used with prior water damage, black mold. Um, There's certain chemicals, glyphosate certainly is one of them, but there can be others. Um, There can be 
Sometimes formaldehyde is a pretty toxic chemical that's often in home environments. Um, as far as germs, uh, we're actually seeing lots of problems now related to COVID-19. Mm, right. Um, it's, a right. Real, it's a real bad generator of inflammation in the body. And so that's a big one. But there's mm. other viruses, uh, Epstein-Barr virus that causes mono. Mm. Uh, it's right. a substantial problem for a lot of our patients. Other herpes family viruses, HSV-1, HSV-2, HSV-6, uh, even chickenpox virus. Mm. Um, there's a lot of bacterial pathogens that, that cause a lot of inflammation and problems. The so-called Lyme group, which mm. of course right. uh, Lyme uh, is a, a city in Connecticut where they had an outbreak that was related back to a spirochete. Right. It seemed to be transmitted primarily by certain tick bites. Um, but there's many germs of Bartonella, Babesia, Mycoplasma, Chlamydia, uh, Rickettsia, quite a number uh, that can be involved there. Uh, metals, the mercury, especially right. we don't see it as much anymore. But mm. when I was a kid, I had a lot of silver fillings. Mm -hmm. Most of them have been removed now. And they're not putting silver fillings in like that, but those, those had a lot of mercury in them. Right. And so a lot of that mercury didn't stay in the mouth. It, it ended up going to other parts of the body. So right. sometimes we have to talk to them about detoxing toxic metals like mercury. And there can be lead often in the water. If you have right. lead pipes, sometimes food uh, right. is laced with lead. So um, there's these toxic metals. Uh, specific factors that are maybe not that common, like, for example, gadolinium from MRIs and uh, can sometimes be a problem for, for certain people. Um, tattoo ink. Oh, That's interesting. A really? source of toxins. Uh, oh, wow. imp implants uh, of various right. kinds. Uh, in the body, joint implants, cosmetic implants, right. not only because they're a source of toxins from the materials that they're made out of, uh, but also they often act as a nidus for infection that can right. ca cause an area of safe haven right. for some of the pathogens in the body. And the immune system has a lot of trouble, you know, dealing with them. Right. I think a lot of people are surprised to hear about uh, tattoo ink. It's something you just don't think of. It's such a commonplace thing that most people have and continue to get, but I'm sure it does wreak havoc I've on seen, your immune system. I've seen a lot of, a lot of patients right. that have had extensive tattoos, especially some of the colored, colored ah, inks, yes, the, the greens, right. the, the reds, the yellows, right. in addition to the blacks. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a fairly unregulated industry. Mm. And uh, there's really not much um, control over that. And so I usually tell my patients with, with, with illness that do have some tattoos, look, we're, we're not going to take them away. We're not going to, yeah. we're not going to try to remove them, but let, let's try to avoid getting any others, you know, yes. going forward. Right. And, you know, we're just going to have to do the best we can to detox them. Right. Um, if you've got a mouthful of silver fillings, it can be very mm. difficult because until that's dealt with, you're going to have a lot of trouble detoxing it from the rest of the body. Right. You know, along the lines of tattoos, we had another question just came in about um, cosmetics. I know that's a big issue. A lot of 
celebrities have, um, you know, talked about all the different parabens and uh, horrible chemicals and cosmetics and, and products. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend of mine here in Austin who has a pretty good website. I think it's clearwoman.com. Mm, okay. But he goes into quite a little bit of, of, the, of, of the problems with many of the uh, toxins that are used in home care products and hair care products and skin care products. I remember he told me about several ladies that he had seen that had chronic illness related to one specific mascara that they, they had been using. Mm. And once he had figured that out and they had gotten away from that, uh, they had some real significant recovery. You know, right. a lot of the chemicals that are used topically um, end up being what we call uh, xenoestrogens are mm. also known as endocrine disruptors. Right. So they, they are like the, the ovarian hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, but they don't have identical effects. So they end up disrupting the natural function of those of those bioidentical or, or human hormones. Right. It's pretty scary when you think about it. I mean, the cosmetic industry is a huge multi-billion dollar industry that most women buy into. Um, so it's really obviously very important to know what you're putting onto your, your skin, onto your face. Um, Absolutely. I just had it's another the mineral, the mineral makeup, the mineral makeup. Yes. The natural right. mineral makeup. Natural uh, if you get it from a, from a good company, uh, yes. that's, that's pretty safe. Uh, and, and there's lots of uh, companies out there that I think have done some good research. There's several good apps. I think there's one that's called, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's called Think Dirty, kind of a catchy Think Dirty, name. I like that. Think Dirty, but you can <laughs> download it. Um, I think it's free on the iPhone or the, uh, the Samsung. And uh, you can basically scan uh, bar products or the bar barcodes of certain products. And it'll give you a little, a little uh, green, yellow, red, you know. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great, that's a great win right there. I'm downloading that tonight. Think dirty, everyone. That I will keep the name you safe. I love yeah. that. That's really clever. Um, kind of along those lines, we had another question just pop up about household cleaners. Should people, is it better to make your own household cleaners with baking soda and lemon rinds and vinegar? Um, Absolutely. Are there any safer products out there to use to clean? Absolutely. Okay. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of um, sites that you can go to for clean home care products. Right. And there's a number of lines that are that are really safe. But as a, as a rule, some of the safer ones are like some of the, the pine products and um, right. some of the vinegar is good, like you mentioned, yes. uh, right. you know, dilute ammonia can be good. Right. Um, but you want to avoid a lot of the ones that have a lot of, uh, well, those those names that that look like they're 30 letters long and you can't pronounce you know, them. You can't pronounce them. <laughs> right. I mean, those are the kind of things you right. don't want building up in your body. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I've seen a lot of uh, folks over the years that were, were housekeepers mm, and a lot of people right. over the years that were hair uh, stylists. Right. Those are and, and and nail and nail workers too. Right, sure. Those are three highly uh, dangerous uh, vocations.
because of the exposure to the the toxins that that those folks Absolutely. get involved with. So if it, you know, and I'm glad you brought that up because most women, myself included, we dye our hair. How harmful is hair dye on your scalp? You know, I'm sure it depends on the products right. and I don't usually make a big deal about telling ladies not to get their hair colored or do what they like. To you do know better not hair. to. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and guys too, it's not just ladies. I don't mean to be that, say that, but uh, yeah, it, it, but some of them are clearly uh, more dangerous than others. I think perms maybe yes. as a rule are, are a little bit hard on people. Um, and again, if you're going to do that, I mean, at the very least, be paying attention to uh, how your resistance is, what, what is your status relative to your nutrients, you know, if you can get that done in a well-ventilated area, right. that's always, always valuable because there's a lot of inhalation. I think that's why that's so hard on the workers in those areas that a lot of times they can't keep their workspaces that well-ventilated right. or filtered. Right. right. It's just a constant bombardment of that for hours on end, mm -hmm. weeks and days and months. Yeah, it's, I, I can see that. Even when you go and get your nails done at the at the salon, it is a very toxic, hard to take smell. Sure. You know, in the acetone and oh, yeah, other it's, solvents. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. Even so as one a, quick a win there, yeah, vitamin C, really. vitamin C, vitamin uh, ascorbic C. acid. Yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the most important detox nutrients in our body really? because uh, it's so fundamental to many of the detox pathways. Right. Um, it's a reducing agent. And we, we right. were talking about the free radicals. Those are oxidizing agents. Right. So anything that you do that's reducing agent, which is the same thing as an antioxidant and vitamin C is probably one of the main ones in the body. The really the most important one is a little nutrient called glutathione mm, that we, right. we talk to our patients about every day several right. times a day. Right. Yes. I, I really tell my patients, it's probably the most important nutrient that I talk about in environmental medicine because of the role that it plays. Yeah. Interesting. You know, with vitamin C, is it better to get that through food, through a food source, or is it okay to take it as a supplement? Definitely okay to take it as a supplement. Okay. You can, you can really not get the kind of levels that I think we need when we're toxic, mm -hmm. which is most of us. Right. Uh, just just with what's in the food. I mean, if right. we ate, you know, mangoes 12 a day or something, yeah, you know, foods that are very high in, in ascorbic acid, you, you right. might come close. But, you know, a lot of the times I tell my patients to try to identify their maximum tolerated ascorbic acid dose, which can often be grams, several grams daily. Mm. And then what you what you will see when you exceed the tolerable dose is you'll see excessive or loose stools. And then at that point, uh -huh. you can back off. Right. But okay. I think for a lot of my patients, I like them to get pretty close to that maximum tolerated dose, right. which oftentimes can be five or six or 7,000 milligrams a day. Oh, wow. Sometimes That's a lot. as they begin to recover, they'll right. see their, their tolerance level starts to go down a little bit. Right. And that's because their vitamin C tank is starting to fill back up again. Exactly. Because most of us are probably deficient, like vitamin oh, yeah. D, we're deficient in vitamin C. Um, yeah. And like you said, I know you just mentioned it. Most of us are toxic. Most of us Definitely. are toxic. But Definitely. you can test, you can test for it. If anybody on this uh, webinar tonight is interested to see how toxic they are, 
they can make an appointment with you at Texas Integrative Medicine to really determine where you are on that spectrum. Absolutely. There's, there's some excellent tests. Absolutely. Um, Any other questions? Oh, uh, so Kelly just wrote in, is it best to heal the gut first or to detox the body first? That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I would say that the role that the intestine plays is critical uh, in, in these environmental illnesses, Uh, not only because the intestine is frequently a source where a lot of the toxins gain entrance into the body, but also because this is where we need to be getting our nutrients in as well. And the intestine is one of our more important detox organs as well with the liver and then with stooling. So yeah, clearly I think healing the gut is very important. And it's something that we think about almost from the first minute uh, that we're talking to patients. And that's why we spend a lot of time talking to all of our patients about their eating and their drinking plan, because that's so fundamental and something that we can do for everyone, even the first day that will get them started, not only changing their resistance to toxins, improving their cellular health, but helping them starting to detox. Yes. That makes sense. That's a great question. I appreciate That's a that very question. good question. Yeah. I mean, all disease starts in the gut, right? I think that's fair to say. Yeah, <laughs> it's fair, fair it's to very say. fair to say. Um, here's another one that just came in. What are your top lifestyle detox tips? Sure. Uh, I would say drinking lots of water. Okay. Uh, yep. As a rule, you take your body weight and divide it by two in pounds. And okay. that's about how many ounces you should take. Okay, I, I'd say good. your ideal, your ideal body weight, okay. uh, d- divide that by two and, and okay. good, clean water. Right. I would say movement is very good. Uh, I usually like a balance of some muscle training work, like lightweight work right. and, and also aerobic work. Okay. Unfortunately, a lot of my patients because of their fatigue and exercise intolerance can't tolerate that much, at least not right. initially, but right. any is good. Uh, we didn't talk very much today, and I'm sorry that we didn't talk about stress management, but uh, I would say yeah. that one of the most important things that we talk to our patients about is how do they stay in that part of their brain that is, I call it the place of calm tranquility. Mm, Some people right. call it the parasympathetic brain, but it turns out that when, when these toxins and stress drive our brains into the place of fight or flight, that's what generates this inflammation. And that's what generates this mitochondrial energy dysfunction problem. So I spend lots of every appointment with my patients talking about what are you doing to keep yourself calm? Yes. And, you know, since COVID came, people are you know, rushing in, talk, what do I do? I don't want to catch it. I don't want to die from it. Yeah, I tell right. them the first thing to do is stay calm. Yeah. Keep yourself in a place of calm. Maybe that means turning off the TV, turning off right. the Facebook. Maybe it means just closing your eyes and imagining your favorite place, right. taking some slow, deep breaths, saying some prayers, meditation. You know, some people get into formal programs and we can talk to them about several that we have experience with that work. Uh, Some people go and work with a hypnotist, right? There's all kinds of different ways to do that. Yeah. Getting in nature. Just like avoiding. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Sunshine, you know, being around greenery, uh, sitting on the earth with, you know, that's what we call 
um, grounding. And right. I tell them they're sharing electrons with the earth. Very valuable, actually. Yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think if we can help people stay in that place of calm, that's a huge thing that we can do for them to and i see i yeah. see almost instant recovery that's dramatic and not just from symptoms but even some of the signs of illness mm -hmm. you know rashes stiff right. joints weakness uh it, it's it's dramatic the role of the calm brain the parasympathetic brain that place of calm tranquility so yeah. try to get I'm there mention that it's always being driven there by the toxins and by the stress mm -hmm. So right. you, you can't ignore those parts of this as well. But right. then even beyond that, you have to help your brain say, no, I'm going to go to the place of calm. Right. And I'm okay. I'm safe. And it's yes. difficult to do in, in such a crazy world that we have, but things will always be crazy. There'll always be stress with your work, your family. And I think that's probably one of the best tips and such a great reminder for all of us, myself included. Another great question really there. Yeah. yeah, that was a great question. Um, anyone else, you just type in the Q&A, that little Q&A button at the bottom. Um, again, if we didn't get to your questions, we will try to get them answered by Dr. Taylor one way or another. Because um, I know this topic is interesting for a lot of people. It might be new to a lot of our listeners. Um, and, you know, real cause for concern. For, for most people, they, they might now be getting answers to a lot of their mystery symptoms that they've been having for years. So, and I would say that they're within the family of forum, there's a lot of practitioners that are really good yes. practitioners of environmental illness. So, uh, you know, I've got a lot of experience at it and it's obviously something I'm very interested in, but there's plenty of other resources. We also take advantage of many of our uh, eating coaches and our and our health coaches our, yes. uh, mm -hmm. our you know wellness coaches uh, that's all part of the process as well definitely yeah it's it's a full team to really help you get back to feeling yourself again and even better than that um, but anyway thank you again that's about all the time that we have tonight um, I appreciate so much you just your time your expertise on this topic um, and thank you, of course, to everyone who joined us this evening. Um, in the meantime, I encourage you to visit us at forumhealth.com and please connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. I was going to say that Texas yes. Integrative Medicine YouTube yeah. channel has some real good, useful information. There's a playlist on treating toxic life experiences that goes into a little bit more of the stress piece that we talked about. Yes, and we just did some blog, uh, some video blogs together that goes into a little bit more depth, uh, depth on all of those topics. So definitely go there, texasintegrative.com. So thank you again, Dr. Taylor. That was wonderful. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful night. Take care. Thank you, Brittany. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Forum Health Podcast. Forum Health is the first nationwide network of integrative and functional medicine providers. To learn more about this topic and to find a Forum Health provider near you, visit forumhealth.com.